Judge Janine Pirro being taken offline. That's pretty incredible, guys. And, you know, she made a valid point. If you can't park your hijab at the door, that means you are voting and you are representing your God first. And, and that's, that's, you know, pretty, pretty sound, I think. Uh, it's pretty incredible what we're seeing unfold in regards to the fake news. That now we have unequivocal proof, you can't even deny it anymore, that the whole Mueller investigation shouldn't have even happened. There shouldn't have even been an appointment. That it was all part of this insurance policy that I talked about months ago on how the Obama administration, top brass, FBI, CIA, DNI director, and Chief Supreme Court Justice John Roberts, they all sat in a room together in the beginning of January to try and stymie the inauguration to stop President Trump from swearing in. And it didn't work. So the alternative plan was to go forward with the insurance policy, place a secondary council, and get it done that way, which has failed. It has failed because, number one, there was no there there. That's the first thing. And number two, number two... Cheaters never win. I mean, they may look like they're winning for a bit, but in the end, they never win. So we have a lot to talk about today. We've got New Zealand. We've got, you know, the Netherlands. We've got uh, in our domestic politics, like what's going on. But what, and, and a lot more, what I want to focus on is things that I've been talking about, about how there are Democrats with skin in the game. I've always been saying, follow the money. And we're going to take a little look. I talked about Pelosi. I talked about the Democrats. Now we got to look at the suspicious 6.1 million that Beto raised almost instantly when he announced that he was running. And I've told you before, the candidates that are coming out like Kamala, Warren, Beto, all these clowns are there to just fatten the DNC account, which is super in the red. Remember, one of the accounts of their attorneys have been seized due to their implications with Navixum. So we've got that to talk about. I want to break that down because no one's really talking about it. But we're going to circle back to what one might call <laughs> an infatuation with Turkey. Uh, you know, I've talked about how they're the center of all garbage that's coming out on a global scene in regards to politics. I know a lot of people are questioning, oh, this is coming out as news from North Korea. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. It's the Chinese we have a problem with. Forget North Korea. North Korea has been won. North Korea has been liberated. It's China that's dragging their feet. And then we'll analyze China too. So um, on that note, I think maybe we should start with New Zealand. Let's take a look at... um, what Kellyanne Conway has to say. Remember, because on Friday I was talking about it, and on Friday morning I told you guys this was super weird how this attack happened, super weird that Podesta was present, super weird how, you know, now they're going after everyone that has footage. It's as if they don't want the footage to exist. 
They don't want people analyzing it. Kind of like how they had a stack of bodies, but no bullet holes. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. I'm not saying it's a false flag. But, you know, there's a lot of questions. The main question is, if you wanted to be effective, why not go on a Friday when it's a full house, just like Kara said? So, anyway, let's take a listen to what Kellyanne says, and we'll take it from there. And then we'll run it into the other topics. You'll see how it folds. Uh, there was a, a terrible news story on Friday where uh, an alleged uh, white supremacist opened fire in a couple of mosques in New Zealand. At least 50 people were killed. Uh, and shortly after that, there were people uh, around the world uh, comparing this guy and his manifesto to Donald Trump. Just curious, your reaction to that parallel? That's predictable and outrageous. In fact, this man compares his motivations to that of the mass shooter in Norway in 2011. And those who d think that's the ancient history should go back and school themselves on what happened there. Um, also, this president condemns hate and evil and bigotry, and we will continue to do so. People should feel safe, but they should especially feel safe in their places of worship. And we've seen far too often where that is not the case. Um, unlike most mass shootings, this man came with uh, pre-receipts, if you will. He put out a 70-page uh, manifesto, yeah. and I guess everybody scoured it, searched for Donald Trump's name, and there it is one time. But he also said he aligns closely with the ideology of China. He said he's not a conservative. He's not a Nazi. He's, I think he referred to himself as an eco-naturalist or an eco-fascist. Uh, but people should read the entire in its entirety. Look, uh, someone like me who, uh, reflecting on the first year of our time in the White House here at the end of 2017, was asked, what was the worst day there? And I know the person in the media was expecting me to say something else. And I said, the worst day, bar none, was the day Steve Scalise almost lost his life on that ball mm -hmm. field in Arlington, Virginia. And thank, and thank God he didn't. Um, but we didn't run around saying, gee, the guy said he watches MSNBC or he's a Bernie supporter. Nobody should do that. Nobody should blame folks other than the evil, hateful shooter. And I think our ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to New Zealand, uh, Scott Brown, former senator from Massachusetts, put it very well yesterday when he says you don't give a platform or credibility to someone who's, quote, rotten to the core. Also, people should focus on what the authorities are saying here so that we can avoid copycats, that we should see the signs in the future. I know the tech companies are really struggling with how not to be a platform for hate and evil, and in this case, uh, murder being live streamed. Yeah. So this is somebody who wanted the attention, wanted to do is he's a rotten, evil, hateful um person yeah. who uh, who wanted to kill people um, and, and live streamed it. And so we have a lot to unpack there. But I think people look for the cheap and easy, especially if it's their own ideology. And by the way, folks, if you're not an expert on this, stop weighing in like you are. We don't need to hear your opinion on every single thing. Uh, and, and instead, read. Read what the authorities are saying. See what our Secretary of Homeland Security is saying, which was there was no credible threat, thank God, to over the weekend to our mosques here in this country. But we stand with our Muslim brothers and sisters. We stand with people of, of every faith who are trying to. And I, I think the treatment of Chelsea Clinton was outrageous and, and ignorant and, tr and tremendously unfair. Um, I, she should not have been yelled at by those people and blamed for this massacre any more than any other person should be except the evil, pathetic, horrible, hateful man who, who did this. Kelly, and I want to get to the fight for border security that's continuing. All of us trying to figure out what the next step is going to be for the president to get the water. 
Okay, we, before we get into that border security, we'll just put a stop in that. I love the way she said, stop talking like you know what you're talking about. We don't need to hear your opinion. I've said it before. If we read court documents, documents from the Department of Justice, police reports, you know, actual factual things, you can derive what is really going on. So here's what's really going on. Uh, on Friday, I kind of touched on it. And over the weekend, it seemed to unfold the way I stated it. This was all a ploy to now get people to be charged with cyber crimes or hate crimes over the internet when you talk about Islam. Now, keep in mind, I've spent a considerable amount of time in the Middle East myself. And just like any religion, it can be radicalized. Unfortunately, the radicalization in the religion of Islam on the basis, you know, of Sharia, etc., is more easily activated. You're not going to see a lot of Christians selling daughters for cows or taking out an eye for an eye. They won't do that anymore. You know, as uh, individuals in society, we understand that is metaphors. But, you know, it's more literate for other people. And not just that religion. We have other religions, too, that are the same. But this is the one that's easily radicalized. And that's even said by the Arabs themselves. And this is why Turkey is not considered part of the, um, I would say, the Arab nations or the Islam nations. They've kind of excluded them kind of like they have Pakistan too. So we, we need to just kind of be clear. Though Pakistan... Is they, they have sheikhs, they have Hindi, uh, Hinduism, you know, so they're more of a mix. But Turkey, they're called fanatics. That is the exact word used. And what I'm going to tell you today, no one in the mainstream media has reported. No one has. So Turkey, ever since the shooting and throughout this weekend, and even today after the reports of the shooting, of the, yeah, uh, the attacks that we had in the Netherlands came out. This is Erdogan came out and used a very specific word that I put in my treat, the tweet. It's called Yowers. Yowers is a very derogatory term. You can look it up on Google. It's very ancient. It is a derogatory term, just like the N word is for people of color, just like, you know, the word termite is for Jews. This is huge. Because he has made speeches and announcements. Rising up his population against the Jowers. That is exactly what he has been doing. It's, it's pretty insane. Specifically, he was in Izmir making that comment. And he referenced empowering his nation. Empowering his nation. Izmir, you who throw the Jowers in the sea to protect the helpless. Guys, this is... All about anyone that is non-Muslim, not just Christians, but it's usually targeted as Christians because that was a phrase that was said when there was a huge revolution back in the early 1900s that a lot of people are not taught about. This is why the Ottomans have always been the focus because they're wishy-washy. They're once on this fence, next on this fence. This is why they aren't even trusted by other Muslims. So keep in mind, I've been saying this. Turkey is the gatekeeper, you know, and then Arabic news stations have reported that the gunmen in New Zealand were actually in Turkey a lot. So it's just really curious, really questionable, especially with the combined rhetoric of Erdogan.
It's really important you guys understand this. To have a prime minister use such a derogatory term, not once, not twice, but four times on public television. It's the most racist thing that that one can say in regards to non-Muslims. And this is why I've said it before and I'll say it again. No one, Turkey is the country like that kid that nobody wants to play on the playground. They're that kid in high school that is in with all the crowds but flips on each and every one of them. Nobody likes them for that reason. And it's important for us to understand that. Important for us to understand that they are the source of the issues that we're having with the petrodollar because they're the gatekeepers of all oil going from Russia or from the Middle East to where? The European Union. The European Union relies on Turkey for oil because that is where the switchboard is. They're the ones with the keys to the kingdom. And, you know, no matter how many times one tells you this, it's really hard for people to wrap their mind around just how nefarious it is. And I think, you know, as a Muslim, I would be really, really upset. If I were a Muslim, I'd be upset. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm assimilating. I want to be part of this century. I want women to have a voice. I want, you know, to not have Sharia law. This is why I moved to a Western nation. Um, and that doesn't mean that I don't follow my God, Allah. It's just that, you know, times are changing. You know, it's not about religious wars anymore. It's about living in harmony. And that is the ultimate basis, supposedly, for every single religion is harmony and peace, not war. So I would think that Muslims should be upset. You know, there was a report out of New York um, that someone actually sent me in a tweet, which is a very good one, because this way I didn't have to find the whole video and kind of break it down. But I wanted you guys to listen to what's going on in New York. Because see, Laura Loomer has been reporting on this how long? For like forever. And people have been, you know, laughing at it, not paying attention to it. But here's take 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 this sound bite and take a listen to what exactly is going on in New York. I mean, this is ridiculous. We have, this is the United States of America. And like Janine said, you know, Judge Janine hit, hit the nail on the head. Sharia law has no place in the United States. Take a listen. Muslim area. Others denounce residents for drinking, claiming this is a Muslim area and alcohol is not permitted. They also harassed a woman as she was crossing the street, warning her that her short skirt was not allowed in Muslim areas. And now, with the arrival of these Muslim patrols to New York City, Americans are becoming worried they'll fall under the same harassment for not following Islamic practices. Muslim. How crazy is that? This is happening in our nation, under our laws, under our nose, and it's okay? These Muslim patrols need to be wrapped up. They need to be all thrown in jail for terrorizing the people of New York. This is what should be happening, but it's not. Not yet. Now, speaking of Turkey, like I said, they've used the the term, uh, you know, um, jowers four times. This is the prime minister. This is not his friends or, uh, you know, a radical faction. This is the prime minister. It's pretty insane, guys. So we've got the New Zealand shootout 
that has a lot of, you know, question marks. We've got uh, people pushing to start uh, arresting people for things they say online. Uh, Gateway Pundit came out with an article today called Americans Should Be Charged and Prosecuted for Cyber Terrorism Crimes for Online Posts That Are Critical About Islam. And I talked about that on Friday, didn't I? Twitter legal uh, Twitter legal recently issued a reporter a warning. He was talking about I, it's Michelle Malkin. And like I said, the Pakistan's blasphemy laws. I want you guys to go back if you didn't listen. I, you know, all my live radio shows are uploaded on iTunes, Stitcher, any podcast you have. You can find me at Tori Says. Um, and I put them on SoundCloud too. You should re-listen to my analysis of the Twitter uh, conversation with Joe Rogan, which was very important. Uh, Because in there, I tell you that the thing that they do is that these social media companies are now our intelligence community, and they are not a public forum. They are now publishers. They decide what you are allowed to put. And for some reason, this uh, Section 230 shield that they're holding to not be sued has, uh, has, has diminished. It's gone. We need to see lawsuits flying left and right. And the reason I say this is, is because they have contracts and they set it themselves on air with different nations where they talk about what they can do to implement their laws. And think about it. Why would Malkin's tweet, who is a United States citizen on a public forum that is not a publisher, uh, have any legal standing in a Pakistani courtroom? That's because Twitter has an agreement with them. And I can tell you this. If Pakistan was to catch Malkin somewhere in India or Belize or the Maldives or Thailand, wherever she wants to go, and they can get her into the country, she will be tried. And think if we actually had an insane president like Hillary Clinton, who has great relations with Pakistanis, she would possibly extradite American citizens, right? Or the next one will probably extradite American citizens for posting cartoons they didn't like. Think about it. Think about where this is going. Because this is just one of many things that are unfolding. Your social media is not a public forum. It is not for you to share your memories anymore. It's for you to feed their database so they can find you and silence you easier. It's all about censorship. The faster we realize it and we accept it because we're all contributing, I am too, the better. We need to understand what exactly is going on because this isn't just an epidemic in the United States. It's an epidemic in Europe. You're not allowed to meme in Europe, remember? Laws, right? Remember? Think. They had this massive live stream shootout and a 22-year-old boy who shared the feed went to court for sharing the feed. What? It's not his. It's not his intellectual property. It's free when it's on a public forum, isn't it? And why should no one have this video? What don't they want people seeing? Why can't we have the video and analyze it? Why is it supposed to be scrubbed for, from every corner on the internet? And you know what's really weird? Any anti-Islamic information that is out there, video or whatnot, is taken down from YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter almost instantly. 
But like I showcased a couple weeks ago, there's a video that was uploaded by Taliban celebrating the death of American soldiers and videotaping it, and that lives on YouTube. Explain. Explain how that works. You know, the president even said, it's pretty crazy how, you know, New Zealand wants to, you know, kind of, they want to blame the New Zealand shooting on me. It's like, first of all, the guy's not an American, first. Second, you know, they're using the term white supremacy. What does that mean? I mean, we even saw Andrew Yang throwing it around, saying that we're going to shoot up Asian churches in 10 years because we're all bitter and racist. What does that mean? The the hate comments I get, I got someone telling me, um, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it in front of me, go back to Europe, you trashy, white, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Very racist comment. (laughs) It's like, okay. So the minority now is anyone that's of European descent. They need to disappear. They need to die because they're the, 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 the source of hate. And we're... I don't think we're the ones spewing the hate or the division. It's the other side. I kind of of see that. I I think we all do. So the president says they're trying to blame it on me. Uh, You heard Kellyanne Conway talk about it where it's ridiculous. They're taking this broad brush saying, oh, it's all white supremacists. Oh, it's all Trump supporters. But, 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 but. When a Muslim shoots up a place and shoots out words like Alu Akbar, you can't say Islamic terrorists because that's like, that's wrong. You can't hold them to that because it's wrong. You can only talk about other people except for them. What is going on? I don't care what religion you have. I don't care what color you are. Bottom line is you're the one committing the crime, right? So you're the one to blame, not the rest of the world or people that may share common qualities with you. Did we paint the shooter for, like she said, like for Scalise, um, you know, as a Democratic, you know, that all the Democrats are crazy? No. Did that rhetoric get pushed? That they're divisive, radical leftists? No. Antifa, killing, hurting, punching people. Did the media paint them all radical leftists as crazy and insane? No. But one person that they claim is a white supremacist that they claim the white supremacist that went to Turkey, Israel to get guns and get trained. Super weird, super duper weird. And you know, what's even weirder is that when I talked about Podesta being there a while back, when I uh, over a week ago, before the incident, when we referred to the five eyes, what have I been saying about New Zealand? New Zealand is key to the five eyes operation. Why? We'll revisit that right after the break. But why? Think about it. He was there. New Zealand is the key. Every single person and their mother of the Obama administration, including Hussein Obama, had gone to New Zealand during 2016 and even 2017. Clinton, Huma, Clapper, Brennan, all of them, Comey, think, even McCain. Speaking of McCain, before we break, seriously, Megan McCain, no saying that no one will love him like your father. Nobody loved your father. The the difference between love and respect is big. Everyone has to respect the fact that he served his country, even though he was a singing bird. Uh, they have to respect the fact that he took an oath that he never honored. 
But McCain was nothing but a traitor, a disgusting individual that did not serve the people that elected him into office. He served himself and interests. And now it is all evident, and I've been, and a lot of us have been, saying he was one of the key proponents of this fake dossier. And now the Democrats are like, well, that was a Republican thing. See, the Republicans, no, uh, there's no Republican and Democrat. They're all the same establishment, period. It's conservatives, pro-Americans against anti-Americans. So after this short break, we'll revisit what's really important about New Zealand. I'll see you all in a few. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. MyPillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable MyPillow is with its patented interlocking fill. MyPillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com
Welcome back, everyone, to the second half hour of the first half of the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Uh, remember, you can always follow me on Gab and Twitter at Tori underscore says. And I'm always here on Red State Talk Radio, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And I always write a few um Posts that I don't give out to what you would call mainstream media on torysays.com, riddled with Easter eggs that we're going to analyze in the second hour that's going to blow your mind. Uh, so we're on the topic of New Zealand. I want to play a piece uh, from CNN quickly so you guys could just take a look. The president retweeted this as well, which was quite interesting before we delve into New Zealand and learn what really was going on viewers should know this president and this administration is often castigated as Islamophobic but I move in the Muslim world in Egypt in Oman in Jordan in Iraqi Kurdistan where this president is beloved this president and the Republican Party going back to George Bush is very dearly held today is the anniversary of Halabja the massacre of 180,000 Kurds at the hands of Saddam Hussein that only changed because of a Republican president. So it's very important not to not to uh, uh, lose so much perspective that we start believing our entire government is Islamophobic. That's not the case. Dr. Kanta Ahmed, always a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Obviously, CNN cut her off right after she said that because that's true. And you know, something that I wanted to state is that, you know, as this New Zealand terror attack unfolds and people are investigating it, you know, it was it was said days ago that ISIS had sent a threat to the prime minister there in uh, uh, Australia. It, they had sent a threat to Jacinda Ardern. And, uh, you know, that was a threat that was sent to them by ISIS on the day of the... Of the streaming, right? And it came from ISIS. Revenge is coming. So this is an ISIS attack by a man that's not your typical uh, Muslim, right? He was a white man. They're trying to decorate it as white supremacy. He was a person that was trained as a mercenary, Trained as a mercenary in the most fanatic country we know, which is Turkey. Remember, Turkey is the one causing the issues. You know, the, you know, the person that was just cut off on CNN that we heard talked about the Kurds. Let me give you a story about the Kurds so you guys can understand. Kurds are like the way the Jews were before they had Israel. Kurdistan has existed throughout history, um, but they're all nomads. That's the way... That the Jews were. They never really had a land, but they occupied the same vicinity. The same thing goes for Kurdistan. Kurdistan is like northern Iraq, southern uh, Turkey. That is their territory. Do you know that Turkey, even today as we speak, execute Kurds and dump them into the Mediterranean? No, you don't. Because you don't hear about that. You don't hear that the majority of refugees coming from Turkey are what? Kurdish. So... In one essence, right, we have to understand what is being said, what is being told, and what is being omitted. Kurdistan has the same fate that the Jews had years and years and, well, decades and eons ago. And they want 
a nation. They want borders, and you watch the borders be drawn. Because Turkey is made up of essentially three countries, Armenia, Greece, and Kurdistan. Kurdistan just never was afforded borders. And then the Ottomans came in from the depths of Turkey, a little, little portion of them where the Ottomans lived, and took over all of those. There was the Armenian genocide that no one wants to talk about. The Greek genocide no one wants to talk about. And the perpetuating and still alive till today, Kurdish genocides that are happening. So this is fact. And anyone that wants to, you know, really talk about how politics are should do a little bit of homework when they talk about Kurdistan and what's going on and what Turkey's role is in there. Because remember, look at a map. Look where Turkey sits. It is the gatekeeper of Europe, Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. It is like the epicenter of all. It's connected to all of those areas, access to three continents. Pay attention. And this is why the Ottomans holding that place and being so volatile in character as a country, picture them, picture the country to be a person, right? So it's easier for you to understand. They're the ones that have no real personality, no alliances. They're Muslim, but they want to be Westernized. They want to be Westernized, but they want to bring their strictness in. They're the only ones that really chop off hands if you steal something in the market these days. They are the fanatics. They're the ones that will flip on a dime the minute you annoy them because you rub them the wrong way. And they're the ones that are using dower, that term, that derogatory term on national and global television and no one is calling them out. So if they were a person, I would say they kind of look like David Duke, right? They're like the David Duke of, you know, the world, because basically David Duke is supposedly a uh, white supremacist, but he's siding with a Muslim. Totally weird. Totally weird. Hates this, hates that, but sides with this, sides with that. They're, they're like the David Duke of the world. If you were to give him an identity, it would be a confused David Duke that is non-binary, <laughs> non-binary, um, all the colors of the rainbow, but evil. Because that's what it is. So talking political scene, right? I'm not saying that all Turkish people are evil. God forbid. Um, just because your leader is is disgusting doesn't mean that you are. I mean, look at Obama. Look at what he did. Does that mean that he reflected us? No, he didn't. He didn't reflect me, that's for sure. I hope he didn't reflect a lot of people. I mean, we all know he didn't. And speaking of Obama, New Zealand. So tell us. What New Zealand is all about, I get a DM. All right, let's go. So I wrote an article eight months ago on Big League talking about people being picked off the grid, the Chinese um, side of things for Brennan's Chinese operatives. That's one. And I also talked about Five Eyes. The curious thing about Five Eyes is it's a network of allies, right? And this network of allies has um, access to intelligence databases that are shared they're global and you know the facilitation of this access also i just it's worth mention is from a private company that um brennan actually set up when he was out of office and this is where me and him cross paths it's a company called global securities group securities global group they keep changing their name based out of luxembourg 
He created it. That is one of the most privatized, disgusting databases of having profiles of every single human being on the planet. Though when you access databases like our FBI's database, because now the FBI is pretty much one in the same with the intelligence community, which is crazy, right? But it is because most of these people that we see that are going in front of Congress and testifying are not really FBI agents, are they? They're all CIA, the corrupt intelligence agency. That's what they should be called, the corrupt intelligence agency, which needs to be dismantled and discarded and stick with the individual intelligence elements that we have. So New Zealand is curious because they have access to this database like the other four countries. But if you were to go to New Zealand and sit at a skiff at a terminal to access every single corner and facet of intelligence that's shared on this server, you don't have to log in. Meaning it doesn't have to say, oh, welcome, Obama. You are, you know, um, you are uh, logged into the system. Tell us what we can do for you. It doesn't say, welcome back, Hillary Clinton. No, it doesn't. It just says New Zealand terminal on. So it doesn't log on who is there. The camera won't turn on to take a snapshot. You don't have to put a unique password. You don't have to use your logon credentials. And as long as you've been granted access in general and have your security clearance, and this is where the article comes in, why haven't they lost their security clearances? Because all of us that have worked in the government know that once you move out of a certain domain, that specific clearance is killed, right? It's done. Like I had a queue clearance for stuff that I did. And once I finished doing that, it's terminated. You get your public clearance, your C- your Charlie clearance, right? Um, you, you get all of that. Your polygraphs have to be up to date, but you have to need them. It's not like I can go and say, hey, my polygraph is expiring next year. Can I go take it? They're going to be like, do you have a need to know? Do you need to renew it? Hey, why do you still have your top secret clearance if you're not using it? You don't need it. But for some reason, They all had their clearances. Remember, there was a big huff and puff about it in late 2017 and and 18, where we talked in 2018, actually, where they were all pretty much terminated. So why? Because if you're on the list with these clearances, as long as you are on a list with clearances and you have an active clearance regardless, and you're in New Zealand, you can access information and think of all the trips that were taken to New Zealand between 2016 And 2018, all going to New Zealand. That's so weird, right? Like Obama would go there, you know, Podesta's went there a few times, Clapper, Brennan, Huma, and other State Department officials that I can't state. But obviously, if I know them, the president's FBI knows them. The president's intelligence community knows them. We could go on, Dan Coates. We could go on, we could go on, we could go on, we could go on. So all of these clowns went to New Zealand. And all of these clowns had access. Now, as we're nearing the time for this Mueller report to come out, which I am all for not coming out, I'm honest. I don't want it to come out. Because this will just give more fuel to the Democrats. I mean, for us, it'll be like, hey, it's a BS report. There was no there there. Pretty much done. 
But for the Democrats, it's going to be like, let's look at every. They missed this. This hair is out of place. New investigation. New this. New talking points. New blah, 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 blah. This is why I don't want it out. And on the other hand, it shouldn't even be out. There shouldn't even be a Mueller report. He shouldn't have been appointed. Said that before. Keep saying it. He shouldn't have never been appointed because there was no Russia collusion. He was appointed just to do what they wanted, which was try to shatter the president, try to remove him, try to impeach him. And in the end, not only that. What else did they want? They wanted to ensure that 2020 was not going to be a repeat. Because if you pay attention to history, you'll see every single president that we've had that has thrown a wrench into this globalist cabal plan from the days of yore, they've only lasted one full term. By the second term, if they haven't learned their lesson on how to combat their strategies and how to combat what they stand for, they just take them out, right? Same thing happened to Abraham Lincoln, right? They just slotted in another vice president. Remember that was his downfall, his new vice president that was slotted in, in his second term. We need to be paying attention to history because history tells you your future. Humans are creatures that, um, you know, as human beings, we like tried and tested things. And you would say tried and tested with a few hiccups for the globalists, but this is exactly where they're going. This is what we're seeing with the elections. And this is how New Zealand plays into it. Because now if the FISA warrants are exposed, allies of the United States will be exposed. Allies, and I'm using air quotes, allies, the colluded with the Obama administration to manufacture tales and manufacture circumstantial, if anything, evidence, and that's in air quotes, to try and and, and spin this Russia-Russia collusion. And here's the thing. New Zealand is the most exposed. Because the one thing that New Zealand doesn't have is key log entries. The one thing that they don't have is skiff... um, you know, identification while you're in the skiff. New Zealand doesn't have that. So if I'm in a skiff, there's no in out communications, right? Picture it like a room, like, um, like a danger room, panic rooms. Have you ever seen that movie? Like a panic room where it's like secluded and it's like an iron fort. Nothing goes in, nothing goes out. You don't bring cell phones. You don't bring technology. It's just you. And if they could put you in there naked, the better. So in New Zealand, that's exactly what they have, just like they have around the world. But you know, their terminals don't require key logging. But, but they have record of who enters the skiff. Something that we don't have in a lot of skiffs. Like, yeah, there's record of you entering the hallway, you know, iris scanners, your, your ID with the chip being inserted to give you access, elevator. They could trace up to the point that you go to the hallway that leads to the door of the skiff. But at the skiff entrance, the majority of them don't have biometric access. It means that you already have access once you've gone through the hallway. But in New Zealand, in New Zealand, it can correlate the time of access with the face that entered into the skiff. So what does that mean? That means that any trace of key logged entries or retrieving information during the dates of visits of these nefarious Obama Hussein operatives and himself 
to New Zealand can be, you know, they can, they can see that they corresponded on that information. I mean, here's their face and they entered. Boom. And then once they entered a minute two later, here's the information that was being pulled by the terminal in the room that they entered. I mean, what more do you need? Because you have all the faces that were in there. Are they going to say, oh, Hillary went in there with Tori, but you know, Tori was pulling it. Hillary wasn't doing anything. She was just there. Really? So this is where it comes down to it. And you know, obviously, for some reason, Podesta, like Biden, like John Kerry, right? We could start naming a few, but we'll leave that for later on in the week. Have been hopping around the globe as they can to mitigate. And maybe New Zealand was a mitigation. Who knows? Kind of like the same mitigation with the coup in Turkey. The coup in Turkey was mitigation. The coup was mitigation for Turkey saying, well, I don't know, man. If Trump comes out, maybe I want to work with him because y'all suck. And they're like, oh, really? Watch us. This is how quick we can flip your own people on you. Your own people on you. We can flip them. And you know, the majority of the people that were flipped, here's the funny part, ran to Greece. And the Greeks have them, and they wouldn't hand them over to Turkey. Nope, nope, not handing them over. Why wouldn't, Tur- why wouldn't Greece hand them over? I mean, they're your ally, right? They're part of the EU, but the EU stymied that. Think about it, guys. Like, pay attention. Uh, like I said, if we actually stand on the moon and look down, it totally makes sense. It's like, have any of you ever played this game? And I'm a huge gamer. I, I don't know if I've mentioned that. But there was this... Um, there are a lot of these role-playing games. I won't, like, put it out there that much, but there's a role-playing game where you, like, go to war with other people and you pick your tribe and then you farm and gather your weapons and go. But you're on a lot of fronts. This is exactly what's going on. This war is against humanity itself. This war is against people that are free, the free people. And I can state, JFK said, they won't stop until they enslave every last man, woman, and child on the planet. And enslaving us is going to be voluntary because they know they cannot use force because we are many and they are few. So they try to condition us with misinformation, with fear. They instill fear because fear is a very good motivator. Remember, the Obama administration has poured billions into you know the brain initiative and what does the brain initiative do and i published an article what that guy that punched that kid at ucla what he was doing he was working as part of the brain initiative specifically a project at ucla piloted now which is through evasive techniques to trigger your fear center they want to know how they can instill fear on you to condition your behavior If you, it's kind of like reward, you know why people are fat or why people smoke? Like, for example, for me, I have a problem with smoking, super problem, picked it up, uh, you know, years ago when I was under a lot of stress. So whenever I stress out, I need a cigarette and it's like a reward thing. So if I smoke, I feel better because I'm not stressed. And that's because it was a learned behavior under stress. Kind of like you eat your feelings. You've heard that before where, you know, girls go through breakups or guys go through breakups, whatever it is. Right. And we sit there with Netflix and we're eating like a, you know, a whole tub of ice cream and we feel better because it's the reward center in the brain. Right. The same thing goes for fear. If someone triggers fear to you, right. If you're scared, you are bound to forfeit 
every single moral law that you stand by to survive. That is your innate reptilian part of your brain, the amygdala. Um, A lot of people don't realize that our brain has evolved throughout time. Uh, Or I would say, see, I'm not so much bought on the whole evolution part. I mean, obviously, genetically, we evolve with time. But that part of the brain is the reptilian part. It's literally called the reptilian part. And it is a shared feature we have with many animals, fight or flight. You've heard of it. Uh, That's the hormone that triggers. And the amygdala is really important. And they captivate us with fear. They captivate us with emotion. This is how you can drive someone. If you can tap into the emotion that gives you the response you want, you will keep tapping. People hate injustices. People hate racism. People hate being put down. People hate the rich people, right? But yet the rich people are telling you what to do. But anyway, you know, they play on that. They prey on it. Look at the media, what it's telling us all the time. Be scared. Be fearful. Hate those that oppress. Hate those that commit this. Hate, 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 hate. They trigger very subtle things. New Zealand was supposed to be a trigger. It's falling flat on its face because too many people saw the video, too many people analyzed it, and too many people saw what was really going on behind it. Care raised a lot of money. ISIS had already threatened them, right? And no one's supposed to look at the footage and you're not allowed and you go to jail if you have it. And it's all President Trump's fault. Okay? So everyone's seeing it. It fell flat on its face. So rest assured, that the next one is going to be bigger. The one thing that the United States did to help us with this trigger, the fear trigger, right? And just like Kellyanne Conway said, is that throughout the weekend they were monitoring to make sure that nothing was happening in our mosques. Because unfortunately, we are a large country and we have hundreds of millions of people that live here. And through those hundreds of millions of people, there is a pocket of people that are actually conditioned to hate I mean, we see it in Palestine. We see it, uh, you know, where they're training children to hate. You ask a toddler, what do you do if you see an Israeli? Stab, stab, stab. Have you guys seen that video? That's what they do. What do you do if you see an American? Stab, stab, stab. How do you get a four-year-old to do that conditioning, fear conditioning? So do you think that in the United States we don't have people like that? We don't have a pocket of, say, black Americans that just want to kill whites because, oh, you know, hundreds of years ago, people that were lighter skinned than them had slaves. You know, even though none of them have been slaves, probably their mothers and fathers and grandfathers were never slaves. You never owned a slave, but you should be punished. How about all, you know, the um, white supremacists? Because they do exist. I see them all the time on the Chan boards. There's a handful of those too, because we're a big country. We have a large population. We've got a variety, right? So our government made sure to monitor all these extremists because, you know, we all volunteer that information through social media. So this New Zealand attack has fallen flat. It's funny how the globalists take tragedy. They take this tragedy and they spin it to throw it in our face, isn't it? Don't leave any good tragedy to waste, right? Don't let it go to waste. Let's just use it. It's Trump's fault. I want to see how they're going to say it's Trump's fault for what happened in the Netherlands. I mean, turns out it's a Turkish dude. Oh, and on the same day that Turkey was saying 
you know, the yowers, throw them into the sea. That was the speech they gave when they were committing mass murders and genocide. This is the way it is, guys. This is exactly the way it is. They are planning this. They are meticulous, but they are going to lose. And wait till you hear how all of this falls into the they've got skin in the game. So we see that they're fighting us on all fronts. They're fighting us on a global scale. I mean, how is our president involved in shootings in New Zealand? Like, geez, that's like, hello. How do you do that? They just do. Oh, it's anti-Islamophobic rhetoric. No, it's not. I can't wait to tell you guys about Beto. Can't wait to tell you guys about Pelosi. That's going to come in in the second hour after this short break. Because if you want to, go take go to ToriSays.com during this five-minute break. Pull up this old article that I wrote. Um, you could just go in the search bar and put the word Pelosi. And you'll see her like in a meme, like a queen, using her financial clout. In there, there's some Easter eggs about containers. And you're going to see how this works with Beto. You're going to see exactly what's going on in the border. And this week, we are going to have Cindy Shemp. And we're going to talk about a secret meeting that not a lot of people know that happened in Mexico yesterday. So Beto and Mexican border security coming up right after this break. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic. Unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, and this is a second half hour. We're going to delve into border security. I've been doing it for a while. Um, and like I said, I'm going to have Cindy Shemp back on. Uh, like I said, that there was a secret meeting. I did send it out to a couple of news agencies that might have people in Tijuana. I have yet to see footage if they actually went. And I'll elaborate on that uh, later on in this hour. So the first thing I want to do is continue this clip of Kellyanne Conway, who I adore. She is no frills and says it like it is. And um, it's about... Um, President Trump's veto. Now, this veto is going to be very telling. Because remember, in order to override a president's veto, you need two-thirds of the vote. If this even goes into the House, 
we are going to see more than those clowns that we saw in the Senate. And you know, some of them kept quiet because there were enough clowns that took the initiative and went. But there's a few rhinos that sat silent in the corner, but would rear their heads when it comes time to veto. So this will be interesting this week to see that. But let's take a look at what she said to get the water built. Obviously, recently he vetoing a resolution that would have aimed to block his uh, declaration, his uh, emergency declaration. What is he going to do next to try to fulfill this campaign promise that he made to so many people? Well, it's highly doubtful that Congress can override his veto, so he will continue moving forward, showing that there is a security and humanitarian crisis at the southern border, not a constitutional crisis, as some of those senators who voted uh, for the disapproval resolution would like you to believe. Uh, 76,000 migrants being apprehended in February alone just last month. We have record numbers of unaccompanied children coming um, through from the Northern Triangle countries, the drugs, the kids being pumped with birth control and, and then birth uh, and then uh, Test pregnancy tests. I mean, it's a disgrace as young as nine and ten. So what the president will do is what he's been doing. He can use, as you know, we start with the 1.75 billion that was in the original bill, but added to that the asset forfeiture money from Treasury, the drug money that was committed at DOD uh, can go here, and then after he taps into that roughly 4.45 billion, then you look at some of the what we call the 2808, the military construction projects, another three billion plus change there. Now that eight billion plus for the steel slap barrier, the border wall, the physical barrier that we need so that you can't go under it, over it, around it, or through it. Right. That is a piece, that's about 25% as I read it, of our overall security package. Also in the president's budget are those immigration judges, are more border patrol agents, are more enhanced technology. So they're doing it right now. We're not waiting yes. for it to go through the courts. So real quick, David Axelrod said this yesterday. The president drew an inside straight in 2016 with narrow winds in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. He's now vulnerable in each one of those states with no prospect of adding any state to his 2020 column. That's, That's an area totally of your expertise. What's your, what's your thought on well, that? Well, it's an area of David Axelrod's expertise, too. He's a very smart man who helped... President Obama win two terms, but I disagree. First, it wasn't an inside straight when the president got 306 electoral votes, and nobody can even see his path in the media to 270. We kept, I kept on going to TV every day saying, here are seven different paths. So that's well documented. But in addition to the ones he won, he can be competitive in Nevada, in New Hampshire, in Colorado. In uh, New, he should definitely get, be in New Mexico. He should, we shouldn't cede any state. Uh, off the bat, because which Democrat, in fact, is actually going to bust through Trump's 306 electoral votes? Where's the proof of that? Now we have 13. We have the Baker's dozen running. Biden maybe will get in because I guess none of them think the other can actually beat Donald Trump. There's no strategy I see. You've got uh, Bader or Work and you've got Cory Booker promising that they would nominate a woman to be the VP. Do they not think the women running are good enough to be president? So there's a whole hot mess in the Democratic Party, beginning with right over the bridge here in Virginia. They can't get rid of the allegedly racist governor, the allegedly, allegedly rapist lieutenant governor. I mean, why isn't anybody, why is the Democratic Party so powerless to, to go ahead and, and right. remove people from office, let alone 2020. So I th I'm naming states to you. I think the president will compete again in many places 
where as, as the incumbent president right. presiding over a boom economy that is the envy of the world and trying to bring peace throughout, throughout the world, right. he's dealing with China and North Korea and Iran in a way that previous administrations had not. And uh, Kellyanne, I saw that the president tweeted out that he's got a 93 approval rating with uh, Republicans, which would help him with that. Something else he's been tweeting a, a lot about over the last 24 hours is this GM deal. And obviously what he's trying to do is he's trying to get the United all right, let's stop it right there. We don't care about the GM deal. That's all distractions, but it's highly important too. Let's not uh, miss that out. I just tweeted out a copy of a letter from the U.S. consulate in Mexico to a pastor that Cindy Shemp has been working with exposing children being kidnapped right before they come over the border. I just tweeted it out for you guys to see. I tagged the two representatives that went to this secret meeting on Sunday, uh, and we'll talk about that in the second half hour of the show. Now let's start with the border slash elections. If you noticed in the article where I wrote about Pelosi, I indicated that she has a lot of shipping containers and she has a lot of invested uh, companies and territory in California that deal with that. We obviously know about the shipping container that came from Long Beach, California to Australia with three tons of meth. Done. And we also know that we have all these clowns, just like you heard Kellyanne Conway say, that are running for president. Clowns with no message, like no message. They're wishy-washy and insane. Beto being top of the list. So Beto's young. He's full of energy. Um, You know, he's probably a good guy, one might say. But what have I always said? Follow the money. The money tells you a lot. So what was interesting when I was doing my homework on Beto um, last week, last Monday, I was working on this, I was kind of looking into what Beto has, where his interests are, and why this border involvement, you know, why is he so adamant, and how did he raise $6.1 million? I mean, really? $6.1 million since you announced? Who, Beto? Are we kidding? I mean, ugh, who would do that? Well, I'll tell you who did that. So I've written uh, articles before where I exposed Peter Strzok's wife in the SEC at Big League last year. Because, um, you know, sometimes it's not connected directly to them. Kind of like Pelosi. It's not her. It's her son. We know he's got trouble with the law. It's her husband. It's her extended family members like Gavin Newsom, Jesse Smollett coming from other ends like Kamala and whatnot. But here we go with Beto. So what was interesting to find is that Beto's family has a lot of land um, at the border by El Paso. Uh, Basically, they own Mexican land too. And here's where the cool part is. So if you actually delve into things, you'll see that there's these companies that, uh, do you remember back in 2016 with the dump of WikiLeaks? The most interesting part were the people that were speaking with Podesta talking about stuff about El Paso, specifically a company called Stratfur. Do you guys know that? Please. Go to WikiLeaks and take a look. And this has not been something that's happening now. It just started. I have mentioned that my husband works in the railway, right? What do freight trains carry? Containers. Now, what was interesting is, is that there's a a few contracts, very specific contracts that are outsourced to uh, regional rail. So regional railway is kind of like a railway that takes over some track, 
a portion of track as a private company and they move like, say, for example, you've got city A, B and C, right? And you've got cargo that you want to go from city A to C. But the track between A and B is owned by me, a private person. And I have my own trained people that the, um, you know, federal agency that oversees railway has approved them to all be engineers, not just conductors. They're all engineers and they work for less than a class one, right? Because they're not considered class one railway. So they take the cargo from A to B and then at B, the originator of the order, which is from city A, let's say Union Pacific, for example, takes that from B and takes it to C. Here's where the cool part is. So Beto's land Well, it's not his. It's his mom's side of the family parents, right? Specifically. They, in contract with a company called Stratfor, right, um, have been kind of taking over that portion. And here's the really weird part. Railway Union Pacific facilitates transport of freight from Mexico to Chicago and Mexico to LA. And they all go through Beto's land. And uh, I want you to take a picture, take a look at a picture specifically that I put in that Pelosi article. You'll see inside, this is how they carry people, right? Containers, guns and everything. And you know, I'm not, uh, you know, for a husband that's a freight train, uh, you know, guy, and he takes trains over the border on a daily basis as a job, you would think I know it a little bit better, but I like to know what he does. So I kind of ask, and basically they have track warrants. That's what they're called, that they need to be given permission by the federal government to move each container. If it has headphones, for example, there could be a container coming in uh, that they're shipping out toward China. So it goes over through Canada and then gets put on ship or they take it out West and then it gets put on a ship and there's cargo in there, right? So it's either oil, grain, you know, chemicals, headphones, well what tells you that some of it isn't weapons and drugs and people see remember how they caught those people at the airport in georgia and in miami and in new york and in california it's all coming out right where specific tsa agents would be on duty when their customer was coming in with like 40 kilos of coke into the airport so that way their suitcase isn't inspected do you not think that the same happens on beto's property when they bring in things because once it gets cleared at customs or through a trusted portal then it doesn't get checked again. It's not like it's going to get stopped somewhere in Missouri when, you know, because trained, you know, by, by FRA regulations, they can only, you know, work for 12 hours, like engineers and conductors, right? For freight trains. So every 12 hours they shift. It's not like they can make it from, you know, the board over the border in El Paso from the Mexican side all the way up to Chicago in 12 hours. It takes way longer. Because they can't go that fast, you know, and there's certain territory stuff, you know, and then they have to get new track warrants, stay for other trains to move, all this crap. So here's the interesting part. So a lot of the stuff coming in from Mexico on railways goes through Beto's property. And so there's an increase that we have seen through some emails, concerns that were expressed to Podesta of how many drugs are being stopped there. And I want you guys all to not take what I tell you face value. Go to WikiLeaks and see it yourself. 
So it's pretty incredible because if you have a track warrant that just cleared you through international customs on Beto's property, and it's not Beto's directly, right? It is actually, it's his mom's and his, it's, it's actually his mom's dad's land. They own this property. It's his. So not only does it clear international customs and doesn't have to, like nobody has to get on, uh, you know, the container and look at it. And as long as the train doesn't stop <clears throat> for a certain period of time, uh, nobody checks it. And these trains don't stop for a very long period of time, maybe a couple hours to get swapped on a different engine and then continue. Some are attached to the primary engine that take it all the way from, you know, Mexican border to L.A. This is pretty incredible. They've made so much money. I've told you they have skin in the game. And you want to know who has the majority of container companies that come through that property on those choo-choo trains. Guess who? Pelosi. Blumenthal. I can keep naming. They own companies that run containers through Beto's property on the Mexican side and come through. Now, when I was looking into this last week on Monday, I was trying to pull up the actual company that owns, you know, the land and what it's called and what development, what licenses they've been is really, really hard, especially on the Mexican side, because they don't want to give you information. It's kind of like when I was digging into Senator Hoven and I found that he's been money laundering through one building with like over 10 companies registered at the same address. This is the same thing. We've got a piece of property that has like tons of companies attached to it. But there's no damn building for those properties. So it makes you question things. But one thing you do know is that for some reason, the trains, the train from a class A railroad, which is like, you know, the big ones, um, CSX, BNSF, Union Pacific, uh, Canadian National, Canadian Railway, all those that are huge class one freights that go, uh, you know, over borders. They actually sell off parts of their tracks to go to private regional railways, which are under supposedly the same scrutiny as as class one. But, you know, what if, for example, and I'm just saying that some of these trains get stopped, that somebody makes an impromptu check on all the cargo on these planes on these planes, on these containers, planes is the next topic and that's tomorrow. Sorry, got ahead of myself there. So we're going on the containers on these trains. What if they did a spot check? Would you be surprised to find drugs? Would you be surprised to find kids, women, men, guns, bombs, radical terrorists? Just asking. Do you think that that would be far-fetched? They are now putting meth In gas tanks, liquid meth. How do you know a container of petrol that is sitting on, you know, a train that has like a hundred different, you know, containers and rail cars that one of them isn't liquid meth? Do you know that for a fact? No. You just accept the fact that people did their homework on the border. But when the people at the border are paid by the person that owns the land, pretty hard to be impartial, I would say.
So this is this is how you can see what is really going on. You have to focus on who these candidates are that are running. We've got Kamala outed for what? Having, you know, a plantation of her own. We all know she did the whole couch, you know, <laughs> couch audition to get where she is. You know, she's a nobody. And she compared ICE to the KKK. She's insane. Done. She's not really a candidate. Then we have Elizabeth Warren. She lost before she even started. But then we have Beto, who's insane. Insane in regards. I kind of like the guy. I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of like the guy. Even though he stands for everything corrupt, I have to give him, you know, he's likable in a weird way. And maybe it's because I like weird and odd people. He's likable. But the thing is, he's corrupt. And he's only a puppet. Like, he's just doing things. I think he's that. He's just dumb. You know, he's like one of those kids that were paid, their college was paid for. He's one of those dumb kids. And his family want him to carry on the legacy from his mom's side and his dad's side. They want him to carry it on, but he's just too stupid. So they're just spoon feeding him what to do. And this is why he's raised over 6.1 million. And they will put him on a pedestal and they will eradicate everything that comes at him. Oh, DUI. Oh, this. Oh, that. Like, he even had an ad on Twitter Asking for gas money. Oh, just donate this. It's like, dude, you and driving, not a good thing. But they will squash that. They'll make fun of it just like I did and call it lighthearted. Beto is the only one out of all of them that may have a chance. Uh, Aside from Yang, which is insanely growing popular. And I've been talking about him for months and no one's listening. I mean... People are listening, but you know what I mean. No one's really listening on the right that has a bigger platform than you or I. And that is very important because Yang is coming up in sheer force. He is pandering to those sensors that I told you in your reptilian brain of fear and pandering. He's telling people that white people are nasty and they're white supremacists. Everyone, everyone that has light skin, that would include me being olive skinned, even though my people, if you would call them my people, right? Greeks were actually categorized as blacks. We were forced to drink from separate sinks. You don't see the Greeks asking for reparations. You know, we had to go to colored schools and none of us are really black. So it's just people don't seem to understand the politics and the fear politics they're doing. And Yang has pandered on it. So his his force is going to come out. But what we need to see is these pants being pulled down. I saw someone just DM me, someone called at incarnated underscore ET tweeted out and maybe he's a listener. I don't know. Um, tweeted out uh, a, a thread on March 17th at 7 p.m. that says, found some ish on Beto. So apparently Beto's father-in-law, a.k.a. follow the wives, Amy Sanders, Amy Mother, and Education, owns 22,000 acres of underdeveloped land on the border, exactly where many of the illegal border crossings occur. And then we're going to get into the butterfly sanctuary, too. That we're going to get into with Cindy Shemp. So he goes on, pretty smart guy. I like this guy. Do I follow him? I think I need to follow this guy. I need to follow him totally because he's got some content I need to do. See, I don't use Twitter, you know, to gain followers. I follow people to see content. Like if people just retweet, follow this person, follow that, I unfollow them because it congests my feed. I need to see stuff like that. How did I not come across this? So here's a guy. He even put a map up 
Um, and he supported and used Beto to use eminent domain. That's correct. Drug trafficking. Whoop. He pulled out the WikiLeaks. Like I've been saying, I've been looking into Stratford. This guy is good. So he's, he was on it. Maybe he listened. I don't know. But this is what we need to be doing. All of us need to get together. And, you know, he even talked about Mexico and staging and distribution in the United States. So basically, this guy has contracts with major billion-dollar corporations to have cheap, intensive labor and super-fast route into the U.S., bypassing all taxes until inside the U.S. With personal railroads, like I said, then to Chicago and L.A., this guy, William Sanders, owns significant portions of our southern border and has contracts in both Mexico and the U.S. for billions. And this is his wife's mom's side. So it's all in the family. And I found stuff from his mother's side, which is even crazier. So um, he's taking the other side. I've taken the other. His mom's side has connections with Union Pacific. And um, so it's pretty incredible, guys. If we work together, we can get this out. We cannot rely on the mainstream media. They have been compromised. We are the news. We are the news. And on, on, on my show... The only thing I do is bring people that you should be following and listening to um, for information, not like follow them like, oh, I devote everything you say is like gospel. See, my my listeners fact check me and someone was like, whoa, you're on to something with Beto. Someone else is tweeting about this. So this is what we need to do is just focus on the individuals that speak truths. We cannot trust people that are driven by interest, people that are being paid by donors, people that are being paid by advertisers. They're compromised, compromised, compromised. You know, that is the way it is because you will never talk against the hand that feeds you ever kind of maybe why Fox hasn't talked about Disney. How come Fox hasn't talked about all these new producers and new interns that came? Someone said, oh, Fox News isn't part of it. It is. They're trading Fox News on stock, not on money. Um, everything is being infiltrated. We lost CRTV. Everyone's boosting OANN. I mean, I like it. Because it's easy access, but I'd prefer to just follow the people that give me the juice. Like this guy, at Incarnated ET. Like, wow. I love this guy. Like, he's speaking to my heart. This is what we all should be doing. Digging, digging, digging. WikiLeaks is like a gift that never ends. Oh, and he found about Verde Realty. Remember, Beto's family owns a huge portion of border property. Beto's family has contracts with private railways. Like I've explained to you, one long piece of railway gets cut up to different companies. The more hands you change, kind of like money laundering companies, one feeds into the other, into the other, the more it gets diluted. And then you can't pinpoint where the problem is. I think we should start spot checks for any trains coming through the border. I mean... Maybe, you know, oil tankers that are going through that say they're empty or say they're full. Why don't we check them for meth? I mean, they're doing it in cars, right? This is pretty huge. I mean, we've seen it in the northern border where they stop containers coming into the U.S. Uh, there was one thing where they had a container. I think it was like last year where it was um, supposedly like um, – iPads or something, if I remember correctly, and it was reported, and it was coming in through the Canadian border through North Dakota, and I, I heard it, you know, down the pipeline, that instead of having iPads, they were just bricks of cocaine. 
And it makes you wonder, like, how was that allowed to go through Canada? And where in Canada, you know, obviously it's so cold. It's not like they have coca plants. So it obviously came off a ship somewhere, maybe in Vancouver, and was loaded onto the train and then pushed through. We have to remember that the border isn't just about votes, and we'll get into that in the second half. It's not just about votes, okay? It's about having skin in the game. An open border is a very lucrative market. Remember, the Bushes, Bush 41 and the Clintons and the Bushes after and even Obama and before him, they've all made a lot of money off of drugs. We have to remember Mina. We have to remember the role William Barr played in that too. And a lot of people are like, oh, Barr, every clown has a role to play. And the point is you bring them on so you can have them conduct what they need to be doing and at the same time providing you access to their methods. Uh, So in the second half, we're going to talk border in regards to the votes and how we're going to determine how many illegals we have. But what we need to focus on is doing our homework on these people and seeing where the skin in the game is, because there is no way any sane person elected into office would oppose the sovereignty and the protection of their nation, especially when we see so many atrocities happening, so many gangs, so many drugs coming in and so many children being violated. So next we'll talk illegal immigration. And a few Easter eggs of what we think is going to be happening today, later on. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. That's 855- 729-78. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code REDSTATE. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the last half hour of the Tory Says Show. I'm just shocked that an hour and a half just went by so quick. I mean, that was pretty crazy. And for all of you, I have actually tweeted out a copy of the letter from the U.S. consulate. Um, I just retweeted it and tagged ICE because the thing is I'm not hearing anything in the mainstream media news. These two representatives, Rep Carrera and Merkley, um, you know, from Oregon and California, went to meet with this pastor uh, that had uh, reported of a child kidnapping at the border and he's also provided very vital information and of how uh, they are pretty much creating these fake marriages uh, to hustle them through the border and it's all radical left you know people that are there they're they're Carrera's people they're Merkley's people they're Pelosi's people that are doing this uh, pushing these migrants through the border now speaking of the border like we've said that they've got skin in the game I mean no one else would be defending Lack of national security for something stupid like it's immoral. What's immoral? Immoral is kids being trafficked to and fro that border. Because your kids, when they go missing in the United States, don't just stay in the United States. They hustle them out. You know, we have very good systems on keeping genetic information on children from the day they are born. And I've said it before. It's not just about sexual slavery for these kids. It's about organ donation. You know, it's very hard sometimes to find bone marrow, heart matches. I mean, look at it. George Soros is like 3,000 years old. And that guy, for some reason, has had like, what, 10 heart transplants? Like, don't you go lower on the list the older you are? I'm just saying. This is this is something real. It's a very lucrative industry. Look at how many people have gone to South America, got drunk, and woke up with a kidney missing. This is real stuff. So why would they perpetuate it? Okay, one can say votes. I mean, they came up with this insane notion to lower the age to 16, you know, for voting. And it's like, really? So are we going to lower the age of sexual consent too? Are we going to lower the age of adulthood too? Are we going to lower the age for everything to 16? What's to stop you there? Let's just let infants vote. Bottom line is you're just looking for votes, right? That is just a... uh, I would say a byproduct of their lucrative industry at the border, right? This is, you know, just something that they have to weigh out. They're like, you know what? We'll just bring these people to mooch off our government and serve as our voluntary slaves because that is exactly what the illegal immigrants are. They're using them as slaves voluntarily because when someone crosses the border and you tell them, well, uh, I'm going to hire an illegal in my kitchen, you don't have to pay him you know, minimum wage of the state. No, you don't. He's off the books. You're like, I'm giving you $2 an hour and free food. That's all you get. And they'll say, I'll take it. 
because they're desperate. That's how volunteer, that's how you volunteer yourself to someone. You give yourself kind of like drug addicts, you know, that don't have money. They prostitute themselves, right? To, um, get the drugs they need. It's self prostitution and they're having our illegal immigrants that are here. And I'm not saying all of them are terrible. They're not all criminals. Some of them just want a fresh start, They, but you can't. It's 2019. You can't move from one city or one state or one country and start all over. Everything's connected. But regardless, they are prostituting people, not just like for sex, but they, they're, they're creating slaves. And this is a byproduct because they're like, hey, we're letting you in and you can stay in America, but you work for us. And if you work for us, you vote for us. And this is the byproduct they're getting. This is why they're smuggling them busloads full in through San Diego. This is a big problem. Because they want the votes, right? So it's not just the skin in the game that they own properties on the border. We're going to get into this butterfly sanctuary, like I said, with Cindy Shemp. So I want to, I don't want to step on those toes because she's done great work. This woman was a Democrat. She's, you know, Mexican American. Uh, she was all for it. And then as she was part of the Dakota Access Pipeline, her eyes were opened to the truth. And you'll see that everyone in these butterfly sanctuaries on Beto's property, right? Beto, Beto, whatever, um, his property are part of the Dakota Access Pipeline. The lawyers that are at the border marrying, you know, Hondurans off and kidnapping children and tagging them on as if they're family, creating all these fake papers in Mexico to push them over our border are all people that worked at the Dakota Access Pipeline. This is real stuff. This is real stuff. It's not a conspiracy. It's actual fact. It's the same people. That guy in front of the the child, you know, the Covington boys that was banging the drum. Guess what he's part of? The damn butterfly sanctuary. This is a new thing. Oh, you can't build a wall here because we have a sanctuary. Really? Well, we're going to tear that sanctuary up. We're going to take these butterflies out and we're going to see why you don't want that piece of land touched. There is a specific reason why. And we want to know what's under there, what's over there, what goes through there. And we're going to find out. So so there's a lot of fronts and a lot of things that are developing from the border. But the first things first, a lot of skin in the game. You got to pay attention to these senators and congresspersons that own properties, that own shipping companies, that own rail tracks, that own trucks, that bring them in and out. And you also have to be very wary of senators and congresspersons that are pushing for digital security. Because remember, if you have drones or virtual security, that can be overridden. I mean, how many movies have we seen where people change the feed on security cameras, right? Right? And then they just rob the, the famous diamond in the museum, right? Come on. Like, seriously, there's nothing better than a human being. President Trump said that when it came to the airplanes. Why are we taking it that unnecessary step further? I mean, we can use technology to facilitate and assist humans, but not replace them all together. So be wary of Senator Hoven, who wants to put drones. And in his state, he's actually pandering to put guns on the drones to patrol the airspace in North Dakota. I, this is not... Made up. This is real stuff. And when you listen to it, you're like, no, that can't happen. This is America. Uh, uh, it's happening. So it's really happening. I mean, they're talking about letting children vote. Here's where we get into the voting. So there's like a big argument. I've kind of formulated an article where they're really upset about the census 2020, right? Right. 
They're like, it's so racist to ask people if they're U.S. citizens. To break it down in my article, I've kind of made it kind of simple so people can understand what the census is. It's done every 10 years. The census, along with another 12 agencies that cooperate and give statistics, get all pooled together and they manage about $400 million that they allocate. So, for example, you live in a city called Tiny Toon, right? Tiny Toon 10 years ago had 500 people. Today, 10 years later, it's got 1,500 people. And, you know, 500 of those extra 1,000 people are refugees that don't speak English, that need services, that you need more housing, you need more doctors. So the census allows people to see, is English spoken in your house as a first language? Yes or no? You say yes or no. And if they see that there's a majority of children that are in house that don't speak English as a first language, they will ensure that that town, tiny town or tiny tune town, whatever you want to call it, they facilitate money to that city right? To bring ESL instructors or more localization professionals or have translators or interpreters. So it's really important that people fill out these census forms. Um, you don't have to put your name on it and it goes by address. So people are like, Oh, what if they know that I'm an illegal and I live here? They'll know. And it's like, yeah, they will know, but they already do know. I mean, please. Um, and if they don't know, they'll find out. So people are thinking, Oh, the Democrats don't want you know, they, they, they don't want this in there because they don't want us to find out how many illegals they are. And that's true because the number is staggering. But if we want to get a ballpark idea, the information is already there for age, you know, for people that are old enough to have a driver's license. So that means from the age of 14 and up, you know, already how many illegal immigrants there are if they're driving. So that's true. I've actually asked my secretary of state to provide that because People think that only some states give driver's license to illegals. But to get a driver's license, what do you need? Proof of ID, another proof of ID. So like, for example, birth certificate or passport, right? And um, you need a social security number. And I know this because when I came to this state, I tried to get my uh, driver's license turned over. And I couldn't for over a year and a half because like I've made it known, you know, my social security number um, has been used by Jose's for the past. And, you know, someone's like, that's so racist that you say it. Well, it's true, though. They're, they were all foreign Mexicans. They were actually Mexican. I, I think one of them was Ecuadorian, to be honest, um, that I've that I've pretty much figured out you know they've had prostate cancer surgery under my social security number they've gotten driver's licenses they've worked at uh, you know fast food restaurants and so when i went to get my driver's license because this state works with smart id some dude came up and they're like well you're male and i'm like i am so not male and my name was spelled as uh, the noun it's not really spelled like that well we need a copy of the birth certificate so it took me a year and a half um in a whole, you know, it was a total of like, what, six years of battling this um, to actually get it done. So this is what, you know, they do. They, so this dude, two dudes that have gotten driver's licenses uh, using my information that are males have their picture in a driver's license. How? They had some form of ID and a social security number. That's all you need. So where I'm getting at is when we vote, how does the voter... Um, you know, the voting poll station have a list of who can vote. It comes from the DMV. So they literally have this database with all people that are registered at the address in the city and the polling location, and they click exclude those under 18, and then they send off that data to the polling station. So the polling station already knows who lives in the area by, you know what, the DMV's records, right? 
And then they preside themselves with their driver's license and then they can vote, right? That's basically it. Because in my state, you can't use a passport. You have to use a driver's license. Have to use a driver's license. Um, so you go and you vote. Now, if you're an illegal immigrant, you're still on that list. If you're a legal resident alien, you're still on that list. So in 2016, when I went to vote, because I hadn't gotten a driver's license because of this issue, I went with my passport. And I was like, I'm here to vote. Here's my proof of address. Here's my identification. I haven't gotten a driver's license in this state yet. And they looked at me and said, oh, the only person under that address registered is a Barry, you know, a guy named Barry. And that's my husband. And I was like, why is he on that list? He's not an American citizen. So I kicked up a huge stink, called the secretary of state. They were like, oh, that's a mistake. That never happened. I was like, dude, I saw it with my eyes. Like I, I kicked up such a stink. And you know what? Idiots around me were like, well, why are you so upset? It's just one vote. What? But I saw red. I take my vote very seriously. So throughout uh, the years, I've contacted other states where I found that my husband, who is a resident alien, legal resident alien, that is not an American citizen, was registered to vote. And guess what? He was registered as a Democrat, too. Really? So here's where it gets interesting. When you approach these people, like in 2018... The same dinosaur that was Secretary of State was running again, you know, for like, what, the 25th year? Like, he's been in office 25 years. Like, where are the term limits? Like, seriously. So he's running again, and I'm like, dude, you need to fix this. I mean, you're supposedly a Republican. You're supposedly a conservative. What are you doing, Al? Can you fix this? I mean, can you make sure that when they export, they export, uh, you know, no people under 18 and no people that have a Social Security number that tells you, because your Social Security number tells someone else if you're a legal resident, if you're an alien, if you're illegal, and if you're an American citizen. It tells you. Your number has that. And you know what he turned around and said? Oh, it's racist. What? How is it racist that you're excluding people that have no right to vote? This is what we're fighting at. So if every single person listening to me now who's out of state, send a simple email to your secretary of state and ask them to define to you as, uh, you know, in my state, for example, you say, hi, I am a constituent of the state of New Jersey. I would like to know the number of DMV license holders. And I would also like to know out of these DMV license holders, how many of them are not U.S. citizens or not eligible to vote? To ask them that simple question. They might come back saying, oh, we don't know. Say, well, you use their social security number to give a driver's license. Pull it out. Because the information is there. It pops up on their screen, literally, guys. Because for me, when I gave him my identification, which was the only piece that I had with my correct information, you know, he kind of looked at me all funny. And I was like, you could take this because I wanted to get veteran plates, you know, with the DD-214. He was like, no, because your social security number says a different spelling of your name, so I can't use it. And it says you're male. Like, guys, seriously. So they know. We already know how many illegal immigrants are in our nation, and they are a staggering amount. It's not 100,000. It's not 50,000. We're talking multiple tens and tens and tens, maybe mid I would say about 50 million illegal immigrants and they're not all Mexican. They're not all Honduran. There's a lot of visa visa overstays kind of like that rapper Savage 21, right? So we have to keep in mind that they already have a majority of people in there that are illegal that can vote for them. Now, a lot of them that don't live in these sanctuary cities won't vote 
Because according to the law, when you come into our country, if you vote and you don't have the right to vote, it is automatic deportation. And for me, when I discovered that my husband's name was in different states, registered as a Democrat, I called each and every single one of their AGs and their secretary of states. And I said, make, take note. My husband never voted. He will never vote. And if anyone is voting on his behalf, it's BS. I mean, he was even in Massachusetts and we didn't even go there. True be said that I was accepted by an Ivy League university there and we were going to go there, but the scholarship they gave me was way smaller smaller than what David Hogg got. So we never lived there. So why would he be on their voter roll there? And you know, you check it through social security number. That's how you check. So guys, this voter fraud is a hundred percent real and it is a byproduct of the capitalization they're getting from the border. So it's like an extra bonus. It's not like the, um, they're just hustling people in for votes. That's a byproduct. That's like an extra bonus they get from, you know, whatever illegal trading they do, you know, through our southern open border. Okay. I, I want to point that out and make that clear. The bringing in the illegals is not just buying them votes because they're, they're getting the votes anyway, right? Because there's so many of them here. And I would love to see an initiative from states that supposedly say are, you know, conservative because there's no such thing as Republican. Let's just all agree on that. There's no such thing. Republicans, anyone that says I'm a Republican is usually establishment. We're conservatives. That The president made that clear at CPAC too. He said, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a conservative. There is a big difference because the Republican Party is so corrupt. It's just as corrupt as the Democrats. They just, you know, play good, good cop, bad cop between each other for years now. They're all in the same bed. Obviously, our president has helped weed out and replace establishment people. We saw, what was it, like 58 of them resigned or didn't come back. Paul Ryan being number one. How could he even go back home with a face? He makes me sick, to be honest. So what we have now is the border security. I want to see what is going on with that because that'll be talk of the town now, specifically with the veto, like I said. If they're bold enough to go forward – To put it down in the House, which, like Kellyanne said, it would be highly unlikely because they need two-thirds, two-thirds of House, Senate, you know, to vote and take away the right of veto. So we'll see if they actually pull that trigger. It'll be interesting to see if they do. Um, And for me, it would be kind of great because we already have the money we need to build the wall. Because last week, as you know, uh, Tommy Fisher of Fisher Industries demonstrated that he can build one mile of wall a day. And all he needs is that $1.3 billion that the Democrats already allocated. So on that note, we've st- we're still getting our wall, regardless of how it goes. And this whole grandstanding uh, is great because it's weeding out the problem areas that we have in our Army Corps engineer. Remember, every single division, department, sector of our federal government is embedded with these corrupt clowns. You don't get away with, uh, you know, fake building permits and fake, you know, companies and, you know, BS. Guys, they use every single facet of our government for their gain, uh, abusing CDBG funds, HUD funds, FEMA funds for their benefits. These people are so corrupt. They use our federal tax dollars to line their own pockets. So let's see what happens on the veto front. Now, 
Let's talk this week. I'm super excited. I'm waiting for something pretty huge to drop this afternoon. Might be dropping while I'm talking to. Um, has to do with this whole um, Russia, Russia. But like I said, and I'll say it again, I would like to see the president do one thing. Don't declassify the FISA warrants. I really don't care. I already know what's in it. Mueller report, BS, should have never happened. So we could just toss it in the bin and say, this should have never happened. So I really don't care. What he needs to do is take his pen and strike the first ever executive order that Barack Hussein Obama signed on the day he was inaugurated. He, he swore in as president and he went straight to an office and signed the first executive order. And what was that executive order, guys? To seal presidential archives. That means anything related to Barack Obama, his family, his education, his wife, you know, if Michelle is really Michael, she got hormone therapy. And if she got hormone therapy, there's, you know, record of that, of course. All of these things are under the tightest seal. You want to know what happened in Benghazi? That's under the tightest seal. I mean, I filed FOIA requests and they said it's under presidential seal. You're not allowed to have it. So why is he sealing what happened in Benghazi at the annex in Italy? I want to know. I know exactly what I want to know. I gave you exact guidance and you're telling me that specific document is not allowed due to presidential seal. If the president strikes that, it's going to be a huge Pandora's box. Everyone's going to see how did this guy who no one knew who didn't even fulfill one term as senator become president out of nowhere. And not only that, he took down Hillary Clinton, which was very well known. And for some reason, people thought she was loved. (laughs) So think about it. If he does that, that is Pandora's box. That's taking the head, you know, of this whole scenario. You know, maybe it'll unseal the meeting that they had at the beginning of January with Chief Justice Roberts, Loretta Lynch, Brennan, Clapper, and all those snakes and disgusting clowns that that swore to, to serve us and did nothing but serve themselves. That meeting they had to stop the inauguration, that'll be released emails, communications, if not deleted already. That's the concern. Is everything deleted? Can it all be deleted? And see, that is the question. Can it all be deleted? I mean, I was just thinking, you know, how they're saying how they were monitoring President Trump from 2015, something that I knew from forever and ever because it was in court documents. Um, and this is again, like Kellyanne said, don't listen to the media. Don't even listen to me. Read the court documents, read the affidavits, read, you know, what's really going on. Read that. And then draw a conclusion. Listen to your president. He tells you everything you need to know for the day. He tells us everything we need to know. There is no way you can't see that. Today is going to be a huge party, guys. I'm, I'm expecting tomorrow to be the most interesting of all. Um, I've got popcorn ready. It's going to be pretty, pretty, um, pretty impressive. You know, another thing is, do you guys remember when uh, CNN was under fire that Donna Brazil was giving out, you know, questions? Remember, they even stood there and asked her questions and they they folded it, you know, during the presidential debate, CNN questions. We all saw it. Well, you know what? Um, News just came in and I don't know how valid it is, but that they hired Donna Brazil. Fox hired Donna Brazil in place of Judge Janine. 
I'm not going to say I told you so because it sucks because you always want to be wrong when it's nefarious stuff like this. Right, guys? But think about it. Donna Brazil was giving away questions, prepping Hillary Clinton, and she is now taking the place of Judge Janine. You know what I want? I want the president to take Judge Pirro and stick her in the Ninth Circus. Or you know what? I want Judge Pirro to take the place of RBG, who, by the way, no one has photos of. Like, why is TMZ constantly recycling a video from Utah and her at the airport? I'm just saying. So if people would pay attention, we could have seen this coming. I mean, we've seen it coming. The fact that they're taking over our mainstream media. The fact that they're pushing us into the shadows. And you know, if everyone was a little bit more like the president, and I I know a lot of people are like, what do you mean? There's a lot of us that are like him, right? No frills, straightforward. You know, it was really bold for us to work together and, um, and put things out into the open. Uh, A lot of people came back with really negative commentary, but I, I was so, you know, Patricia is a really, really good friend of mine. If you're not following her, it's at Trump girl strong. Like guys, this is a sister from another mister, uh, a sister from, and another mother. I love her to death. And the fact that, you know, she, she knew a way that we can get our message out there and, you know, help drive it. I was so excited that we have our general right now gracing in bright lights Times Square because they need to know no matter how much they push us, it's only going to make us louder. They need to know that the more they tell us to be quiet, the more louder we're going to get until it's deafening. This is why I say stop. Stop giving credit to news stations, to news personalities that do not listen to you. You are the news. We are the news. We, all of us together. And the louder, the more united we are, the louder we are, the more we can cut through the propaganda and the attacks on our president and our nation. On that note, stay tuned for this evening. I'm so excited because tomorrow marks a new day and it's all going to happen this week. So... Stay tuned on that. I wish all of you a happy and healthy evening. God bless you all and stay united. And pray for our president as always. Have a wonderful evening from all of us at Red State. Stay happy and healthy.